0: Amen, good morning. I wish we could just sing that song again. That was really, really wonderful, great for the soul. It is so good to be with you guys this morning. Good to see all of you. If you're one of our guests or visitors, welcome to Rio. We hope you feel at home here. Uh, We are so thrilled that you've come. And I wanna catch up a little bit on what we are doing as a church. So last week, we began a new study here at Rio just on the backside of Easter, and we're calling it What He Gave Us. And what we mean by that is this. What what did Jesus, God-made man, Come into this world to rescue us from our failures, to rescue us from futility through his life and through his suffering and through his death and through his burial and through his defeat of death and resurrection that we celebrated on Easter. Okay, what did that Jesus give to us, his people, those of us who believe in him, his church, his body in the world? All right, what did he give to us? And Last week, Winston talked to us about the fact that he gave us a purpose. He gave us a mission. So I'm going to read you the mission again. In Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the what? Yeah, but he's not a what? And he's not an it. He's a who. He's a he. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded of you. And then what does he say? Because it's gestures toward the next thing that he's given to us, what we're going to talk about today and next week. He says, and behold, I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what has he promised us? Well, he's given us a purpose. That was last week but he's also given us his presence. And here's what everyone here knows about presence. Presence matters. Several years ago, the mother of a really good friend of mine died and and he was just super close with his mom. So I knew this was going to be uniquely devastating for him. And as soon as I heard that his mother died, I texted him right away. And then I called him later in the day and we talked and she lived up in Crystal River. And so they were getting ready for the memorial service, you know, and, and I kept talking with him and he spoke at the memorial service. So he's talking through things with me. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And we sent flowers and a card and listen, I'm sure all that stuff mattered. But all week long, the Holy Spirit in me, Kept saying, look, you need to go to the funeral. 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 That's the way the Lord talks to me until finally I just relent. You need to go to the funeral. You need to go to the funeral. I'm like, Lord, he's not expecting me to come to the funeral. Like we've talked on the phone several times. I sent flowers, a card. I've texted him several times. Like he no, he's not thinking I'm coming to this. There's zero expectation of me going to this. And, and I'm, it's like a five hour drive there and back plus two hours for the funeral and the reception. I mean, you're there anyway. So like 12 hours on a Thursday, And I'm preaching at the end of the week, which is always coming for the preach. You know, you need to go to the funeral. You need to go to the funeral. Wednesday night, I said, okay, fine. I'll go to the funeral. Willing obedience. So I got up at 4.30 in the morning, you know, got dressed, put on my suit, and I drove to Crystal River. And because I'm me, I was there like an hour and a half early, you know, so... So I looked around town. That took like three minutes uh, in Crystal River, and uh, but it was beautiful if you're from Crystal River. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm sure somewhere it is. But so then I just got some food and I sat in my car in the church parking lot and I ate, you know. And because I'm a moderate introvert, I thought to myself, I'm going to walk in one minute before the service starts, you know, so I don't really have to chat. And then so I did. And I've watched everybody going in, and then finally I'm going, okay, I better go in. So I go inside, and I go into the foyer, and there's this great long line of people. Everybody who's gone in that I watched is standing in this line that's kind of like a snake, you know, it just goes back and forth, back and forth, because my friend and his wife are personally greeting every person who came to the funeral. Like, taking time. Like, they're talking, they're hugging, they're, you know, thank you so much. We so value you. My mom loved you, so appreciate you being a part of that for the Christmas cards. And they, you know, get the idea. Like, they're having a little mini conversation with everybody there. So I wait in line and I'm kind of making my way, you know, through the snake line until finally I'm, I'm pretty much there. And my friend does not notice me at all because he's so focused on the people in front of him and because he's not thinking I'm showing up so he's talking to the people right in front of me and I see him look up and he sees me standing right behind this lady and the look on his face it was like shock and awe he was like and I could see the wheels turning in his mind as he's trying to compute how in the heck are you actually here right now and what it must have taken for me to get there and all of that stuff and he looks at me and he just bursts into tears he reaches around this woman and he just bear hugs me and sobs And I thought, oh, so that's why I came here. Presence matters. Listen, sometimes all you can do is send a text. Sometimes all you can do is do a phone call. Sometimes all you can do is flowers and a card. But your presence is the best you have to give. And our God, who is an entirely relational being, think about that for a minute, and we'll talk about the details of this in a second, but our God is one God, okay, but he exists in three separate and distinct persons. We have God the Father, you heard this, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The very core of our God is relationship. And he has made us relational being. Even some of the more introverted of us, even some of the like really extreme introverted of us. You need to be drawn into community. Do you know why? Because you need it. I need it. He has made us to live in relationship with him. He has made us to live in relationship with each other. And so here's what he did. He's given us a purpose. He's given us a mission. And he said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to send you a text every once in a while and go, good job. Or maybe you should try this. I'm not going to consult with you on the phone like a consultant on how to live for me. I'm not even going to send you flowers and a card. I mean, that would be nice. In the person of the Holy Spirit that I give to live within every person who believes in me, I'm going to give myself. I'm going to take up my residence within you. I'm going to give you my presence. Not just to walk alongside of you, not to pop in and out. No, no, no all the time and in here. So here's what I want to do. This week and next, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And today I want to begin by doing four things, okay? Answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Then what does the Holy Spirit do? Then what are we to be in regard to the Holy Spirit? And then lastly, what are we to do with regard to the Holy Spirit? And so then who is the Holy Spirit? And the answer to that is that the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, I've already said that. We have one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not one God who sometimes shows up as a Father and sometimes shows up as a Son and sometimes shows up as a Spirit. No, three separate and distinct persons that comprise the one God. And you say, well, Tom, can you help me with that? Can you, can, can you explain all of that exhaustively to me? Can you maybe give me some illustrations, some examples that will help me understand that? Um, no, not really, not really. I mean, the closest illustration I could give you probably would be that of marriage. You have two separate and distinct people who through the covenant of marriage before God and before the most significant people in their life come together as one. They form a new identity. The two are one. Which incidentally speaks to the sacred nature of marriage, doesn't it? I mean, if it's a picture, though incomplete, of the Trinity, that's something. But that's, as, that's about as good as I can get. Listen to what God says about himself in Isaiah 40, verse 25. He says, to whom will you compare me? That I should be like him. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, let me be upfront about this. There's no one like me. Let, let me make this real clear. There's nothing like me. There is no analogy, there's no illustration, there's no example, there's no comparison that you can make that can comprehend the whole of who I am and make me understandable to a group of finite people. God is an infinite God and we are finite but we have finite minds that are entirely reasonable most of the time. So if we just reason that through for a minute, then it seems pretty easy, doesn't it? The logic is not overly difficult. You just kind of go, well, how can I, with my finite mind, reasonably expect to fully comprehend an infinite God? I I can't. And so therefore, I should expect that there are going to be things about God that, all right, I mean, I can maybe approximate a little bit, or I can only understand to a point. And beyond that point, I just simply need to accept what the Bible says about God, which by the way, is that he is one God who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so then when you're talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is a person. As I said earlier, he's not an it and he's not a what. He is a person. And so then in dealing with the Holy Spirit, you are dealing none other than with the personal presence of the creator God of the Redeemer God, of the Savior God, of the God of the universe, who has not just shown up in your life to walk alongside of you sometimes, but he has taken up his residence within you. Go to the funeral, go to the funeral, go to the funeral, go to the funeral. Where was that coming from? That wasn't somebody standing out here saying, go to the funeral. Sometimes God speaks to me that way, by the way. Sometimes the Spirit uses other people to communicate. But when he uses somebody else to communicate, usually they'll say something like that to me and I'll go, and the spirit will go, yep, did you hear that? That was for you. And you just know it, don't you? My wife had a couple of miscarriages along the way and I remember when she was pregnant with Haley, our second child, so she went to the, to the OBGYN and she's laying there on the table kind of like waiting and they're gonna come in and do the heartbeat and we've done the heartbeat thing and it hasn't worked a few times. And so nervous. On the radio, George Michael, you got to have faith. I mean, seriously, seriously. That was for her. If the Lord can speak through George Michael, (laughs) he's not limited in his ability to communicate, guys. He is the greatest communicator in the universe. There is no shortage of the ways by which he will get his communication across to you. His voice is in here. It says, you hear that song, that's for you. That person just said that, that's for you. That Bible verse you just read, that's for you. That lyric you just sang, that's for you. That thing that guy up there is talking about, that's for you. Or he just says, deep in your heart, go to the funeral, go to the funeral, go to the funeral, go to the funeral. funeral. But here's my concern. My concern is that we kind of get God the Father. You know, I mean, there's an analogy there that we sort of get. We kind of get God the Son, okay? Again, it feels more tangible to us. And then when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it's like, I don't, I don't really get him. I don't really know what to do with him. And therefore, then, we live as if he doesn't exist, notwithstanding the fact that he is the presence of God in our hearts, in our lives, and in the world, Which incidentally, if you think about it, makes his presence in our hearts and lives and in the world, at least from our perspective, null and void. It's like if I went to that funeral and I waited until after it started out in the parking lot and then I snuck in the back and I sat in the back row and then when the preacher guy got to the closing prayer, I snuck out and my friend never saw me. What difference would that have made? What effect would my presence have had on him? would have had no effect. It's the same for us. We move through life as if the Spirit who lives within us isn't there. You say, well, what are we missing? Like, what does the Holy Spirit do? And I'm going to give you just a cursory list. It's incomplete. But Let me give you some examples. The Holy Spirit, first of all, makes us alive spiritually, which means that if you are a Christian today, it's because he has awakened you to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the realities of who you are and of who he is and of who Jesus is and of your desperate need for him, of the relief that is found in him and in nowhere else, the satisfaction that is found in him and nowhere else. Which is why if you just kind of look at your life and your experience and your interaction with the gospel, a lot of you would kind of go, yeah, it didn't make sense, it didn't make sense, it didn't make sense, it didn't make sense, it made sense. (laughs) Were you smarter? Was it more clearly presented? It meant nothing to me, 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 it meant everything to me. Unattractive, 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 irresistible. What is that? That is the supernatural work of the Spirit of the Lord in your heart, awakening you to the realities of Jesus and to just how attractive He is. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and unbelief. He comes and He speaks to us about things in our lives that need to change. Like if we're moving through this service and and something speaks to you, it's not me, it's not Ryan, it's not Matt, it's not the music, it's not the... It is the spirit of the Lord saying, hey, here's the message for you today. And it might be a message of encouragement. It might be a message of, no, you gotta get something right. It might be a message that says something completely other. Happens all the time. I have people come to me and go, Tom, when you said this in your message, and I'm like, I didn't say that. I didn't say this to them, but I didn't say this in my message. And I know because I like really know these things. I have it on paper, you know, like I didn't even mention that. Who mentioned that? The Spirit mentioned that or my message will be entirely on this over here and I've labored so much for everybody to get this. And I have this one tiny little comment about this little ancillary thing and somebody will come up and go, man, that was the thing. That's, that, was, that was the whole message for me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, did you miss all of this? You know, like, because all week I worked on this and you're talking about this and I just step back and go, wait, no, 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 that's good don't care if you hear me I want you to hear him he's the speaker the spirit is our comforter the spirit is the one who builds within us the character of Jesus called the fruit of the spirit think about the value of the fruit of your spirit in your life and think about how contrary it is to all of our native passions desires and inclinations he builds within us love joy peace Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Wow, that's different. It's amazing. The Spirit of God guides and directs our lives in His church. He leads us into all truth. He takes what belongs to Jesus and He declares it to us, and He's our teacher. If I can just take those last four and put them in one category, I would say that the Spirit speaks. Go to the funeral, go to the funeral. Again, that didn't come from out here, that came from in here. It's fascinating to me and like really encouraging that this is the week that Ryan chose to introduce that song, which I thought was awesome. The Defender, I love that. But it's a song born out of a passage of scripture that he told me earlier in the week. He goes, man, I'm gonna read from Exodus 14 and then we're gonna do this song and it's gonna be awesome. Well, Little did he know that Exodus 14, that specific passage means a whole lot to me. About a year and a half ago, Matt and I went to a really small Christian conference. There were probably 60, I think, leaders from North America. We all gathered together, and as a part of the conference, the the staff at the church that put the conference on, a really amazing, incredible place, great, great people, said, listen guys, we want to minister to you. We're not just here to give you a bunch of information. We're here to do ministry for you. So we're going to do a ministry of prayer. This pastor got up. He explained the whole thing. He's like, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to call you guys forward. And we want you to bring your burden. We want you to bring your joy. We want you to bring your challenge. We want you to bring your sickness. We want you to bring whatever it is that you need deliverance from. We want you to come forward. Our team is going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to ask God to deliver you or heal you or speak to you or comfort you. Or we're going to rejoice with you or whatever it is. But then in addition to that, we're going to give space to the spirit to speak to us about what to pray for you. Because it might be different. So he sets the whole thing up and it's like just real clear to everybody that this is the come forward moment. And then he stops and he goes, uh, before we start, I mean, it was slightly awkward. He He goes, I feel like the spirit is saying something to me like I need to read this passage of scripture from Exodus. And he doesn't know where it is. So he's looking for it. He's trying to find it as he's saying this. And he goes, I know this is a little odd. He goes, I'm not exactly sure why I'm supposed to do this. He said, I just suspect it's not gonna make sense but except for maybe one of you. He says it's in Exodus 14, and I lose it. I could have told him what verse. I'm going to read it again. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be still. So that's the heart of that story with Moses and the Israelites and the Pharaoh and Egypt and the armies and the Red Sea and all of that. But in that season, that was very much in a lot of ways the heart of my story. It was just a very, very difficult season of life. So much so that I had written certain passages of scripture down on three by five cards, man, that I went through every single night, every night. And that was one of the key passages. I, I read it like for six months, every night, including the night before this guy stops the show and goes, "Hey, hang on a second, I'm going to read this from Exodus." And when he read it, and this might make you feel a little weird, but I'm good with that. I actually, I, I kind of want to open you up to something. Okay, so like when he read that, I started f- physically like trembling uncontrollable. Like I couldn't stop it. I wasn't causing it. I was going and weirded me out. And it wasn't so much my arms and legs as the inside of my gut. Like I felt like my insides were like a bag of marbles and they were just vibrating. It was the oddest feeling I've ever had in my life. And it sort of, you know, I was like, what is going on? And, you know, so then I kind of wanted, cause I like to control everything. I kind of said to myself, pull yourself together, you know, like what is wrong with you? Like, Pull yourself together. And I felt the rebuke of God in my spirit saying, no. Why? Why pull yourself together? You ever feel that? You do something, you say something, you think something, and in your heart, you just feel that, oh, nope, bad idea. (laughs) Tom, why should you or any other believer in Jesus feel like you have to pretend to be something you're not, which is someone who has everything all together. Your value does not come from your ability to have everything together. Your value comes from the fact that God has chosen you. He has placed his love upon you. His son has suffered and died and was risen for you. Your value comes from him. And he has delivered you from sin. He has delivered you from death. He has redeemed all of your failures. He will redeem all of your future failures. Somehow at the end of it all, it will all be good. It will work out and we win. It's already settled. But he has also delivered you from having to pose and to pretend in all of our prideful posing. All it ever does is to keep us from his deliverance. To keep us from coming forward and going, yeah, you know what, here's my deal. <laughs> and I'm broken, and, um, and I need a ministry of the spirit, I need a ministry of prayer, I need to be delivered, I need community with other people who know what's happening in my life, I need help. So when he finished reading those verses, I about ran down the aisle, like I was the first person by a lot, and not because I was more spiritually whatever than anybody else there, that wasn't the point. I just knew that was the Lord saying, Tom, I know who you are, I know where you are, I know what's going on in your life, and the battle, is mine. The battle is mine. (laughs) Love it. All you need to do is be still. Guys, the Holy Spirit is so significant try to take this in, that Jesus says to his disciples, incidentally, who he has spent three years in intimate relationship with, like these guys have gone everywhere together. They have every night slept in the same room or under the same stars. It's like a three-year-long camping trip in which Jesus is pouring into these guys and teaching these guys and rebuking these guys and encouraging these guys and empowering these guys and building these guys up. They've seen the whole of his ministry, all of the miracles, all of the teaching, like everything. They love him with all of their heart and he says you know what it's actually going to be better for you when I go I'm going to go to heaven and here's why because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's not just going to walk alongside of you he's going to live within you the very presence of Almighty God in you Think about that. So then what are we to be? Because here's what we're not to be. We're not to be those who ignore that reality. (laughs) What are we to be in regard to the Holy Spirit? The answer to that is we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 17. And he gives us an analogy that, you know, I'm just going to say it. I think that a lot of us can relate to and that I think is powerful, he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Everybody wants to know what that is. So what is the will of the Lord? Okay. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. We, we didn't need to come to church to learn that. Like, we, we got that part. But, but it's powerful because of what he says next. He says, but instead, be filled with, or really, be intoxicated with, the Holy Spirit does wine affect you what aspects of your being he's like yeah, yeah 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 don't be overwhelmed with that but imbibe and be overwhelmed entirely intoxicated with the holy spirit and when you are intoxicated it affects your speech what you say how you say it the boldness with which you say it it affects the decisions you make It removes your inhibitions. You're not worried about what anybody thinks of you at that point, are you? I mean, like, gone. It affects your values, how you treat people, how you spend your money. It affects the way that you walk. And in the Bible, a walk is a metaphor of life. It's something that you do one step at a time. He's saying, listen, don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. but, But be filled, be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit which leaves us with just one last question and which is what are we to do with regard to the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna give you four things. Number one, I think we need to wake up to the fact that in the gift of the Holy Spirit, God has given himself to us. He hasn't sent us a text. He hasn't sent us a, you know, flowers and a card. He didn't give us a phone call. He said, no, 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 guys, here, here's my heart. It's me living in you. Secondly, we need to repent of all the ways that we've missed or overlooked or ignored, maybe intentionally at times overlooked because it can be inconvenient to have God in you. We need to repent of all of the ways that we've missed the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, in light of his purpose and mission for us in this life, go into the world and make disciples. Yeah, I can't wake anybody up spiritually. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking you can't do it either. Our mission is entirely dependent on the Holy Spirit as is our own change and transformation. We bring to him our heart, he changes it. And so we need to acknowledge our desperate need for the Spirit in our own lives, in our families, in this church, in our school. And in the church, all over our city, all over our county, all over South Florida. And then lastly and finally, in the humility that comes from that desperate need, we need to be a praying people. We need to stop depending upon our our genius. We need to stop depending upon our resources. We need to stop depending upon all of the ways that we strategize. We need to stop depending upon all the things that we can do. And we've done a lot, but... We need to recognize that apart from the Lord, we can do nothing, but in him, we can do all things. He lives in us, he lives in me, he lives in you, he lives in us, and we need to ask him to move. So I'm gonna close with some prayer challenges here. And the first one is pretty simple. Every day or every week, we've got these Connect cards out here. Use them. Write your information on there and give us your prayer requests. We pray for your prayer requests throughout the week. And if it's too personal and you wanna make it anonymous, fine. Do that, that's okay. The Lord knows who you are, but give us the privilege of praying for you and receive the benefit of it. Secondly, engage in personal worship. Make space for the Lord to speak to you. Make space for the Lord to work in you. Take time for the most significant and important thing. Take time to do personal worship, to be reminded, Lord, you live in me, and to give him the opportunity through his word to speak to you throughout the course of the week. Sign up for it on our app. Get our pushes. Realize that we're giving you different passages of scripture to work through in advance of Sunday. And it calls you to pray as you go. And pray not just for your kids and not just for your parents or for your friends or for your business or some deal that you've got going on. Those things are all important. I get it. Pray for those. Just pray for those last. Pray for the spirit of the Lord to move. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that God would visit us. Thirdly, I, I want to invite you to our Friday morning worship and prayer time, 830 to 930 every Friday, second floor of the Ingram Center behind me. I know that means a lot of you are at work, but some of you can make it. We worship together as a staff and as a group of other people who have just been joining in, kind of collecting up folks as we go. It's powerful. We have a prayer room upstairs, that's the fourth thing. It's super cute, my wife kinda has decorated it, it's like really awesome, and I don't feel like I have to say that, it is actually really awesome. You can sign up online and there will be like a a, a time slot that you can sign up for and you can go up there, just check into the front desk and take your time slot. And in that time slot you can sit up there for half an hour, for an hour, for an hour and a half, for as long as you sign up for, And pray, and you're like, Good grief, Tom. Like, I have trouble getting past three minutes. Like, what am I going to pray for 30 minutes? It will fly by for you. There's a whole whiteboard full of things to pray for up there, there are notebooks full of things to pray for up there. We want to be a praying people. During our services and after our services, we're raising up a team of people and we need more people to do this who will pray throughout the course of the service. It means you pray through one and you attend the other. That's not easy for everybody, particularly with little biddies. I get it. But there's a lot more folks who, then who are doing it who can do it. You're like, man, now i got to pray for, I don't know, what, like an hour and 15 minutes. What am I going to do? We're going to give you a whole list of things, all of the different aspects of the service, lyrics to songs that you can pray, who's going to be doing what in the service, asking the Lord to move during this time in your heart, in our hearts, for those of us who lead, for those of us who worship and take it in. And then after that, you can make yourself available to pray with other people. And then the last thing is something we're going to do now. We're going to take time during our services moving forward to really just stop and go, you know what? The Lord lives in us. The Lord is here. The Lord creates and speaks through his word. And we want to give him space to, to speak to us, to stop the noise for a moment. To realize that we can't actually set it all down because we have a God who fights for us. That alone brings stillness. Your ability to control everything is not gonna work. How much money you have is not gonna work. How, much, how many influence you know, contacts you have, not gonna work. How great your doctor's report was in the end, not gonna work. The Lord will fight for you. Be still. So we wanna be still. And we want to take some time to interact with God in our services and take advantage of these prayer team people who kind of line up along the walls on the outside, you know, feel free to slip out as we're praying and, and go pray with one of them or during the song at the end and go pray with one of them. Or I guess last resort, if you want to grab them after the service, you can do that. And I know that's kind of strange. You're like, oh, and well, people are going to look at me and I, well, not if they have their heads bowed. And by the way, even if they do, Who cares? Is it really that big of a deal? It's not. You know what people will be thinking? You go, man. That's awesome, amen. And the truth is, they'll probably also be thinking, yeah, there are like nine things I could go get prayed for right now. Isn't that true? So I want to invite Matt to come on up and he is going to lead us in that time of reflection and prayer. And if you would... Take advantage of the prayer team.